0: Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. And welcome to episode three of The Back Peg. Laz, we got no guests on this week, so it's just you and I, but we got so much to talk about in the world of football, the wonderful world of football, and mm. there's no shortage of uh, interesting stories. No,
1: there isn't. Have we got a sponsor for this week's episode? It's something we, we were doing during the Daily Doha. Have we got a sponsor for this week's episode? What do you think? In lieu of a sponsor, and if anyone wants to sponsor, mm. feel free to reach,
0: <laughs> to reach out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think this week's episode of The Backpack can be sponsored by Chaotic Boardrooms. Look at you, Everton. Look at you, Ajax.
1: I was going to go a bit different.
0: Go on. What, what, what's yours?
1: How do you pronounce the, the official match ball of the FIFA Women's World Cup? Oceans? Uh, oceans?
0: It's spelt O-C-E-A-U-N-Z, but okay. it can't be Oceans. Because there's the U in there, it can't be ocean. So, oh, or, or, yeah, oceans, now's? Oh, I have, um, or oceans. It's got to be ocean. Ocho-
1: Sounds a bit French, that doesn't it? Oceans. Well, you know, hey, it is FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, oh. they've got an office in Paris now, so maybe that's what's, uh, you know, maybe that's what's uh, inspired the name. I mean, the bull looks great.
0: It does. Yeah, it was great flying around Sydney. Yeah. Uh, attached to the helicopter. Great launch. Great mm. launch. Even though Gianni was a part
1: of it. <laughs> Today I feel. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, well, maybe you can tell us how to pronounce the bull because I have no bloody clue mm. at all.
0: No. Nah. But it looks good. Let's go with Oceans. 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 Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this episode of The Backpack is brought to you by Oceans. <laughs> <laughs> oceans 11. <laughs> yes, there you go. Fantastic, fantastic.
0: <laughs> And the puns just keep on covered. That's it. And if um, if it was in the Men's World Cup and there was a player called Sean and you missed, the, missed an easy shot, you'd be, oh, Sean, oh, Sean, yeah, you missed it exactly. again. exactly.
1: See, that's who I want to actually say. It was like, you know, it's an Irish player. Oh, Sean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Imagine having the World Cup ball named after you. That's a be quite an honour, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, see, okay. Who would they name a... Like, who would you name a World Cup ball after or a football? Because that – it actually, if you think about it, I don't think it's actually happened from memory.
0: No, they always go with something a bit cultural, like a, a jabalani or a brazuca. It's like a, either a pun or something cultural for where the tournament's held. But if they were to go down that route – because the easy thing to suggest is just the best players. you have, I don't know, Messi or Ronaldo or Pelé. But it's a bit boring, that. So, with Pelé, you could go – oh, right – Right. Mm, yep.
1: Because yeah, you know, like, and Diego, you could go with uh, Dios. You know, like with the ten. I guess you know what I mean. Mm, yep. So, but I can't think of anyone else that they would name a ball after, like Cruyff. But that yeah. would be a bit anti Cruyff's legacy, wouldn't it?
0: Maybe. Yeah. Particularly if you, if you make it into like a pun, because mm. they would. It just wouldn't be a, a standard name. It'd be mm. something perhaps linked to the where the tournament's held or something else it would be linked to player to or something else it would be a part homage and part contemporary but yeah it's a weird one isn't it well we said during the World Cup that they should name the groups after uh, ex-players so mm. group A can be yeah, I don't know group Alvaro Morata for instance no I don't what? say that <laughs> Huh? No, not quite. You, no. him you picked. No. You couldn't pick anyone else. <laughs> it was the first A player that came to mind, but let, let, let's go with the group Alfredo the Stefano instead. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you know, hey, maybe. Yeah, like it, you know, again, it would just provide another topic and a bit of, you know, contention around, uh, around tournaments. I think it's a great idea actually to name them after. And look, I, I noticed what you picked up there with the A, so group A, you know, Alfredo or, you know, mm. um, that's pretty clever
0: first names or last names, but uh, yeah, uh, 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 that's something else that FIFA can spend all their time and energy on instead of making the game better.
1: Well, you'd be pissed off uh, if you're not, you know, if you're in the back half of the alphabet. Oh, you would be. <laughs> so Ronaldo will never get a group. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, maybe if we keep expanding the World Cup, we can get down to group Ronaldo. to 26 groups. Come on. <laughs> hey, don't put it past them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just get everybody in the World Cup. 26 groups of four. Let's go. Interesting.
1: Uh, but, um, yeah, look, uh, look. it just adds to, you know, the, and the visuals of um, the ball being uh, ferried across by a helicopter over Bondi Beach, um, you know, looked really good. Looked really good. And and well done to, um, all jokes aside, well done to, the you know, the marketing team and PR team for that because the launch seems to look pretty good. They could have left Gianni out of it, but, hey, anyway.
0: He's always going to make an appearance, though, but uh, that's by the by. So, Laz, for this week's episode of The Back Peg, we're going to be talking about our obscure leagues. We'll talk uh, something coming out of Bayern Munich, some interesting story there, as well as um, perhaps Everton, perhaps Ajax. W- where do you think we should start this week? What's caught your eye first and foremost?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, what caught my eye from a purely personal point of view is that Newcastle won the uh, first leg of the semi-final of the League Cup. So, hey, oh, Of course. you know. Oh, of and, course. Although...
0: I think half the people listening to this podcast just wave bye-bye like you guys played during the
1: game. <laughs> Wasn't that a, a bit of shithousery? Good to see that our teams got up for the Copa del Rey, ties that they had, Atletico Bilbao and Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid.
0: Our two Spanish teams are in the last four of the Copa del Rey and our teams are in the last four of the Carabao Cup, the League Cup.
1: Backpack derby is happening yet. Everywhere, hopefully. Let's that's, see, wait it, and
0: see. that's it. Well, Manchester United probably have one foot in the final after their 3 0 win midweek. Maybe Newcastle with a little bit more work to do in the second league. But
1: <laughs> I was happy with it, though. I was happy yeah. with it. Look, I mean,
0: yeah. winning the first league is fantastic. It doesn't even matter if it's by one goal or two. Just getting getting the win. It is only half time, of course, as the cliche goes, but job done anyway during the yeah. week.
1: Let's wait and see till next week now. But, T, we're looking forward to. Um, I know we've been getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm looking forward to um, the FA Cup game, Man City Arsenal.
0: Oh, yeah. The first time they're mm-hmm. meeting up this season. Shame that's in the yeah. FA Cup, I will say. Yes, the FA Cup's great, and yes, there's so much history with it, but these two teams, they are going to rotate a little bit. They're not going to go full first 11, surely.
1: Yeah, look, and, and by the time most people listen to the pod, you know, we'll know the result, but um, I think it's going to be a cracking game, and I think they'll go with first 11s. They'll have to, surely.
0: I think it's a good opportunity for a rest for a lot of these teams because True. The, the schedule has been ridiculous ever since the start of the season. There's games pretty much every single midweek. So if one of these clubs want to take their foot off the gas a little bit in the FA Cup and focus on the league, I think, for instance, Arsenal, particularly as well, that they've got the Europa League. I don't think they're going to be too bothered if they exit the FA Cup this weekend.
1: Well, it's a Man City at least anyway. Yeah. If you're Arteta, what do you do?
0: If I'm Arteta, I want out of this competition. Mm. I also want out of the Europa League. No, no, no,
1: no. Well, What's the well, point? Yes. What's the
0: point of the Europa League for Arsenal this season? They've already uh, got Champions League for next year.
1: Hang on, man. But if you're an Arsenal fan, you want silverware. I was a Newcastle fan. I mean, we've been deprived of silverware, right? You want silverware. They got a good shot at the Europa League.
0: Normally, I'd say yes. Normally, I would say yes. Trophies, because finishing top four is not a trophy. And I I do sort of, it it does grind me a little bit that top four is seen as a bigger success than winning the FA Cup or the Capital One Cup. Well, Capital One Cup, that's a throwback. Geez, I was uh, going to say, where
1: are you going? (laughs) (laughs) Carabao, energy drink. Carabao,
0: yes, yes. uh, Although we have no idea, we we don't have any of
1: it. I've never seen it here in Australia.
0: No, neither. Not that we're short on energy drinks. No, but Um, you see them
1: around, but I haven't seen mm, Carabao, which is interesting.
0: But yeah, Getting back to it, it does sort of grind me a little bit that finishing in the Champions League places is seen as a better season than winning those two competitions and not finishing top four. But this season for Arsenal, this is out of the blue where they are in the table, the performances, compared to last season. No one thought they'd be this far up. No one thought they'd even be in the title race, let alone the amount of points clear that they are. I think this season they really need to put all their eggs in that basket because if they finish up coming second and that's about it for their season, then it's still going to be seen as a massive success. I don't think second and the FA Cup makes a difference for Arsenal. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: They should go all out for the league, and if they fall short, an FA Cup isn't really going to console them too much. It's probably thinking, the Arsenal fans will probably think that, oh, if we got out of this competition early, we might not have dropped those points that we did. Fair point, fair point. But normally, I'm with you, lads. Normally, trophies over finishing top four.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I think you, you if you're in a trophy if you're in the hunt for a trophy, you gotta win it. You gotta try and win it. Look, I'm you know, I'm not happy that Newcastle owned in the FA Cup this weekend. What happened there? You know what happened. That was the Sheffield Wednesday.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted me to say it. Absolutely. Don't need to be like that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I know we're like, you know, man you and Newcastle United are rivals, right? But yeah, no need to be like that. <laughs>
0: Oh, don't you worry! Don't you worry. There's plenty more, plenty more down the line where that's coming from.
1: Oh, I know that. I know that. Don't worry. Oh, I've, I've copped it over the years <laughs> with Newcastle. Don't worry.
0: And you're finally coming back to the big boy table. So uh, yeah, it's been what fifteen, that's- twenty years of uh, stored up things.
1: Yeah, look, if you had Ashley, Mike Ashley, as a club owner, uh, and look, I'm not going to lie. You know, there are concerns about the ownership of. Newcastle United. I'm not going to shirk from those issues, right? But if you had Mike Ashley as an owner, you would know what I'm talking about, because, uh, yeah, it it was it was depressing. It was depressing. But the optimism and the hope that a new ownership group, just the new ownership, just anyone but Ashley, right? And now you can see what's happened, right? Um, so interesting point in case though, if you're looking at it from a Football club business model because you would contend that Newcastle have bought well, they've acquired good players, they've got a you know, acquired a smart coach, um, backroom staff, and the momentum that that's generated. And it's just an incredible story. It's just an incredible story. It's it's a shame that look, I think they'll finish top four, I'm confident of that now. I'm not gonna, I hope I haven't put the kiss of death on them, <laughs> right? But I, I don't think Spurs can defend as well as what Newcastle can. And that's part of the, you know, when I look at that, I go, okay, well, Newcastle are in a good way. All, all Newcastle have to do now is just win games. All right?
0: Easier said than done, huh?
1: Well, yeah, hey, it's It's always easier said than done, though. But I'd rather be Newcastle's position than, say, Spurs' position right now.
0: Absolutely. You won't get a counter-argument from me and you say Spurs can't defend as well as Newcastle. Nobody can defend as well as Newcastle at the moment. They're the best defensive team in Europe as it sits at the moment. 15 clean sheets for the season, more than anyone else. And they're playing so well. They don't look like they're going to concede goals at all. And it's just a case of whether they can get it going forward on the other end. For most weeks, no problems whatsoever. They got a bit lucky against Fulham recently, but for the most part, they look fantastic. And you mentioned some of the people that have been brought into the club, and I want to highlight Dan Ashworth. Yeah, critical. For me, he is... The, the MVP, if you will, to use an American term, of this Newcastle project. Without him, nothing happens. Nothing else that we're seeing on the pitch happens. Yes, Eddie has done a great job with the players at his disposal, but for the most part, the players that have come in, they're on good deals, they're good characters. A lot of that is off the back of Dan Ashworth, who was doing brilliant things at Brighton beforehand.
1: Look, it's going well for Newcastle on and off the pitch too, right? Um, you know, the CEO, Darren Eels, has been there for, you know, since... Um, Shortly after the new regime took over, and he's uh, the ex CEO of Atlanta United. He was the uh, founding CEO, and you can see the success that Atlanta uh, is in the MLS.
0: That's the club that Almiron came from, correct?
1: Yeah, correct. So um, you know, so it's a great pointing case uh, on on off the pitch, which isn't a good case as Juventus at the moment.
0: Ah. So you've you've segued over to Juventus. I I think there's a good Everton segue here, to be honest.
1: Okay, let's go to Everton.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we're talking about the changes at Newcastle and just the change of ownership, how it can change the mood around the place. I do want to ask you, how much do you empathise with Everton supporters at the moment? Because if, to me, you know a lot about Newcastle much more than I do, particularly from the old regime, and because you were living it every single day. How similar is it, the feeling at Newcastle as a, Mapai supporter compared to Everton today.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's a very good question. I will tell you why it, it bugs Newcastle supporters more. So, like with regard to Ashley, right? Ashley was, um, you know, obviously the um, majority shareholder in Sports Direct and promised the world, didn't deliver. Um, and because of his uh, reputed worth, people couldn't figure out why. Well, why isn't he putting? In money into the club. Now, there were two seasons that Ashley, um, was, when it was a- when Ashley was owner, rather, where they went reasonably well. So, but then Newcastle got relegated twice too, during the uh, ownership of, uh, Ashley. So, purely, in pure simple, pure and simple terms, Ashley didn't put any money out of his own pocket, um, or out of sports direct. By gear, he put the state, he put the sponsorship uh, of the stadium up there for, for nothing right? There was no money. There was no sponsorship deal for St. James Park. And he wanted to call it Sports Renault. I mean, you can put the E-rating on this because we're going to get explicit now. It's like, <laughs> seriously. Like, come on, you know, don't take the piss. It's it, you, So people were frustrated with that. And the fact that he really didn't try, he did try to endear himself at the start, then completely just wiped everyone like a dirty ass after that. And that's how Newcastle felt, the city of Newcastle felt. Um, and having been up there, like, uh, you know, seen, you know, spoken to Geordies and what have you, not that I'm a Geordie myself, but I, like, you know, I went for, you know, for a trip up there. Um, and it's, um, you could sense that around the town people just wanted him out. And, you know, and that's why you saw the scenes of joy when the deal was done and approved. Mashiri is a different beast altogether. I don't think he – like, he's not a sports-related – like, his wealth isn't sports-related, right? I mean, you could make the connection between um, Ashley and sports director Newcastle that way. But for Mashiri, from what I know, is just – one, he's not, he's not in England anyway, right? Um, and he's from – his wealth and is derived from other sources which aren't related to sport. And he spent money, though. Everton fans can't complain. And look, oh, like like Everton. Everton are a great club. Historic club, right? Historic club. Never been relegated from, you know, from the first flight. Well, I think they're about to get relegated. I'm sorry to say. Because that club's an absolute basket case right now. And it's probably worse than what Newcastle's ever been.
0: And I'll just give a little bit of a summary in case. Uh, You haven't been up to date with everything that's happened with Everton, particularly this week. It has been a wild week for an Everton supporter. The blood pressure must be through the roof because early in the week, Frank Lampard got sacked after losing at West Ham about a year or so into the job. Marcelo Bielsa and Sean Dyche, the early favourites to take over in the dugout and also the number one transfer target for the window, Arna Danjuma. That is the funniest story, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> huh? I shouldn't laugh, but, geez, that's the funniest story. That is yeah. the funniest transfer story in recent memory. It's better than the one where, I think it was Pete Wingy. <laughs> it was at the gates of West, where was it? I can't remember.
0: QPR? Uh, was West Brom and Stoke, wasn't it?
1: No, 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 no. I think no? it was QPR.
0: QPR. Oh, yeah, it was QPR, you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. QPR. And he was waiting outside the gates of QPR. I had to drive back. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, Dan Juma was all signed, sealed, and delivered to be an Everton player. They did the medical. They made the transfer announcement video, the ones that they always like to put out on the social media. And last minute, probably because they sacked Frank Lampard. I oh, yeah, for sure. He's been sure. redirected, re-diverted, hijacked down to Tottenham.
1: How does this work? In the professional environment that the EPL is, right? Like, think about it.
0: Mm, yeah, it's great. Head's got a role.
1: Yeah, yeah. Head's got a role because how could you go, okay, listen, yeah, you've passed your medical. You haven't signed the contract, but we're going to launch you. <laughs> Are you, like, fuck. If you're the chair, like, if you're the chairman, aren't you pissed?
0: Oh, yeah, oh, sure. But.
1: I don't like, think he has any idea what's going on there. I really don't. I, like mm. That's just the mind-boggling that we'll do the announcement on social media. Fans are direct messaging him saying, Everton needs you. And he goes, I'm going to do all the best I can for the blue shirt. And then, <laughs> like, 12 hours later, he's in London.
0: <laughs> hey, and that's a much better move for him. Oh, shit. Hey, listen, seriously. Yeah. Look, no, <laughs> hey,
1: you can't blame the, the, the player. One, he's gone to a club that the coach has just got the ass. Two, right, I've been to Tottenham's uh, training ground and and stadium. I I wish I had gone when I was last in London, but I'll tell you what, having watched the Tottenham all or nothing, it doesn't take much to figure out that, you know, they've spent money on the place and that they're doing well. Now, you can have your arguments about Daniel Levy, right? Mm, uh, For mine, I can understand why Spurs fans are frustrated. (laughs) And I'm just putting that politely. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) very much so.
1: (laughs) I mean, we don't have to be polite. We don't have to pull punches. But, you know, hey, like there's no need to go off the top end and, you know, and really get explicit about it. But he looks like he's over his head. And I don't know why they haven't figured out. Even watching Bloody All or Nothing, they haven't figured Mm -hmm. out that he needs to go. (laughs) And and like I said, this is coming from someone. And I'm not someone who likes people losing their jobs. It's not good.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think you'll be all
1: right. But I think he'll be okay, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. It really is.
0: So the next one for Everton this week is surrounding Anthony Gordon, one of their current brightest youth prospects who's come through the academy off the back of lamp by being sacked and maybe Dan Juma plays a part in this as well. He's gone AWOL and is trying to force through a move to your boys.
1: Yeah, I'm not sold on Gordon though. $60 bean is a big price. Yeah. Uh, look, that's how much we Newcastle picked up Isak for. I don't, I don't see the money. I'm like, uh, look, he's a good player, but nah, I don't, I don't see it. I think that's a, that's Everton, Everton having a fire sale. And look, I think that's to do with Bashiri trying to. Uh, look, I think Bashiri is, has refuted that he's selling the club, but he has. But from what we've seen, he has put the club up for sale. And you know, what I think it's too little, too late. I think Everton are going down based on what they've, you know. Said, and we're not turning this into an EPL preview chat, but but it's just purely the sport, you know, the business of football. Um, Everton going down is a huge story, and I don't see them being saved unless Sean Dyche.
0: Yeah, that's the one. Takes them
1: on. It that's can't the be one.
0: No, yeah, we'll come back to this now because sacking Frank Lampard, he probably deserved to go. Yes, you can say the players aren't good enough. He wasn't really back to the market. But at the end of the day, if you look at the results and every single six-pointer they had towards the bottom of the table, they lost. Mm. Whether it was West Ham, Leicester, Mm. Bournemouth, endless teams. Wolves as well. Any team down towards the bottom, they lost every single one of those relegation six-pointers as they're often dubbed. So for mine, yes, Frank Lampard was not the problem, but he was a problem at Everton. And interesting to see where his career moves forward from here. But... The early two favourites to replace him, Marcelo Bielsa and Sean Dyche. What? How? How are they the two options? Because you've got Marcelo Bielsa, who plays the most high-octane, headless-chicken-esque football that you'll ever see. with a, To try and do that with James Tarkovsky at the back and some of the slowest players in the Premier League, is that's a recipe for disaster. If Everton go and get Marcelo Bielsa, yes, it might be exciting for... 12 months' time, 24 months' time, but for now, that, that they're going down and they'd be finishing bottom if they got Marcelo Bielsa in now. You said it, Sean Dyche is the only one who can save this club this season.
1: I think so. I think he's the only one that would be pragmatic enough to be able to save this club. I don't see how uh, them getting Bielsa would actually be of any benefit to Everton at all. In fact, I think right now, it'd be worse. And, and, and that's not disrespect to Bielsa. I actually think Bielsa mm. is a, is a flawed genius, right? When it comes to football and like most geniuses, right? is you know, uh, Pep Guardiola loves, uh, Marcelo Bielsa's philosophy. So that's saying something, right? So, but there is no way, there is no way that this Everton side could even, could even dream to think of playing the way that Bielsa wants them to play. And in fact, I think I've, I've – I've, I've, in fact, I've actually read that he came out himself. Point blank and just said, this Everton team could not do what I want them to do. That's unequivocal. So, end of story, Beelzer. is waiting for the next job, whatever that'll be. He might not even have to work again. Who knows, right? But i tell you what, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if a national team ever picks him up.
0: Yeah, cause very much I so. Think that,
1: I think that would change, fundamentally change the way a country plays football. And I think that, and I know there's a stigma around importing coaches and what have you, but geez, he would be somewhat of interest here.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just a case of whether the sort of big bucks jobs in Europe are drying up a little bit for Bielsa. That's the question, whether he's ready to go on his uh, global tour as managers often do. Yeah, I, I saw Santos picked up another job. Yeah, the Polish job. That was uh, heavily heavily touted for Steven Gerrard. Yeah. And uh Matty Cash is probably thinking, oh, God, I can't get away from him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, but no, no he they, has. They've gone
0: a, gone a different direction. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Crazy direction, too. I mean, look, I rate Santos as a coach, but.
0: I think that's a good fit, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, I think the so. The way
0: Poland played at the World Cup, and yes, they at times they were very much a defense first, keep the door locked team. Hmm. But they've got the players in there to get a little bit more expansive. And Santos, the way he plays, still wants to keep that solidity at the back. And Poland can offer that for him. Hmm. Interesting to see where Portugal goes now. Ah,
1: there you know. Oh, I'm breaking
0: news. No, I had forgotten. I had forgotten. I, I do remember. Yes, Roberto Martinez.
1: The coach of the golden generation of Belgium.
0: Off to ruin another golden generation.
1: Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Ah, uh, look, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. They've got, they got the Nations League. They might win silverware. Who knows? Again.
0: Maybe. Maybe. The the, the highly prestigious Nations League, yes. That's right. Uh, so, honestly, Laz, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, last one on Everton before we move on. Mm. Where to from here? Because you say Mascheri's might be putting the club up for sale. It seems as though they've got no transfer plan. They've got no strategy, no manager. Players want to leave. Going on strike. The fans hate the board. The fans are sick to death of everything of Everton. Oh. To me, this club looks like it's circling the drain. It's a, it's a horrible phrase to use, but it looks like they are circling the drain.
1: Nathan, I was, gonna, I was going to ask you the same question, where to? Because the answer's a donut. Mm. It really is. And they're leaving Goodison in the next 12 months.
0: Well, the plan is anyway, if they get relegated, then the, the finances come into massive question.
1: And where they're building that stadium in Liverpool, Dockside, it's incredible. It's an incredible part of town, and you can see why they've decided to leave Goodison and go there, right? So, it just – you scratch your head. You scratch your head you go. Because let's face it, right? Clubs that move into new stadiums, as bright and bold as they are, sometimes tend to suffer for a little bit, as we saw with Arsenal and the Emirates.
0: Um, West Ham. West Ham, the London Stadium. I think you can throw Spurs in that as well, to be honest.
1: Yeah, but Sydney FC at Allianz, right at home. Yep. Para, uh, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers at Parramatta, right? Mm, yes. There's a theme there, right? There so, is. And,
0: uh, a lot of that comes back to, to soul. And eh, it's not tangible, soul. It's uh, the feeling around the place. And it takes a couple seasons for some experiences to bed into the walls of the venue and get that same feeling when you go to a stadium as you would have from the previous venue. And it takes a little bit. I think there's some value in that.
1: Everton are going to have to have some absolute balls of steel to get through this.
0: Seriously. Just clarify, what do you mean by get through this? Do you mean avoiding relegation or bigger picture? The whole scenario, the bigger picture,
1: because um, they're facing relegation. They're leaving their traditional home for a new home and they'll be playing in the championship. And we don't know who the manager is going to be. And the only the only player that's really worth selling there at the moment. They'll sell Gordon, sure. I don't know if you will go to Newcastle, but, you know, talent, what have you. I know even I heard that Calvert-Lewin was even uh, approached by Newcastle, but I don't think that's going to happen.
0: You've got much better strikers already at Newcastle. Yeah,
1: that's right. So um, Pickford is the only player worth of any note at the moment because all the others have just been really disappointing this season.
0: The thing is, if they do sell Jordan Pickford, they are absolutely going down there's little... Question remaining. So
1: they sold the player that was doing well for them up front, Richarlison, and they're probably in a position where they're going to sell the most up-and-coming player, you know, talented player they've developed for a little while in Gordon, and then they're going to, you know, sell their
0: goalkeeper. (laughs) What's happened to Tom Davies? Where's he gone? He was killing it a couple seasons ago.
1: Yeah.
0: He's still around the squad. I know he's there, but...
1: Uh, look, the fact is this side should be doing a lot better than what they're doing and they're not and they're not capable of it and it's basically all gone to shit and it's going to end up in the shit. It really is, unfortunately, and it's sad to see a club like Everton um, who will be relegated, I would say, oh, right? I can't see them getting out of this scrap, even
0: though it doesn't take much, but I can't see them stringing the wins to do it. I think Sean Dyche gets them out, to be honest. I'm pretty confident on that.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll go with that proviso. If Sean Dash goes there, he gets them out. But I think as it stands now, they're gone. Because I can't see Forrest, who I early, This earlier, I can't see Forrest sliding back down all that way either, right? So, that's the tricky one, right? Um, but, the, you know, so they'll be relegated. They'll be leaving their spiritual home, going to a new place, and it's just going to be an absolute vacuous arena because – Half the Everton fans won't turn up once, um, you know, if Moshiri doesn't sell. Ah, it's toxic. It's terrible. Terrible.
0: It really is. And with the Saudi takeover of Newcastle, it was the case of anyone but Ashley. Maybe if there's a Qatari interest in the Premier League, Everton would be a reasonable pickup because you'd be able to get it for fairly cheap next season if they do go down. With all those positives that you mentioned before with the stadium and everything surrounding that, a very loyal fan base. But I think perhaps there's an avenue there for a new... Ownership from uh, the Gulf region, but yeah, that's a, that's a long time down the down the down the track.
1: Bargain by, unfortunately.
0: So let's move over to Juventus, and the news this week earlier on was that they've been docked a fifteen point penalty mm. for doing some uh, creative accounting, as it's often called, mm-hmm. uh, about their capital gains, mm. and a lot of it boils down to inflating transfer fees. There was one that really sticks out the deal between Juventus and Barcelona for Pjanic going one way and Artur going the other way and the clubs were basically saying I like your player, you like my player they're both coming to the end of their contract Yeah, let's just say we'll buy each other's player for 60 billion and then they can go on the the income uh, stocks and that helps us out and where's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> look the fact is that we'll never know right unless it comes out in, in you know unless it's published and documented we'll never know what actually transpired but yes that's the transfer in question but that does does that mean that Barcelona are, are implied as well in trouble because they should be if that's the case right and it's in two things on that one the uh proce- the um Prosecutor was saying, hey, uh, Juventus, uh, we recommend a nine-point deduction, and yet the Federation said we'll give you 15. Two, um, the impact of Barcelona on this and their issues, right, so are they impl- you know, are they implicated? The other issue is that the, this is raised um, is the Federation, the Italian Federation has asked for the former managing director of Juventus, who's at Tottenham now, to actually be uh, penalised and – Subsequently, obviously, that would affect Tottenham. So you've got this, um, you've got this evolving scenario where people are implicated across the continent, and there are some dubious areas around it. And looking at it, going, okay, well, you know, yes, okay, the Italian Federation penalises Juventus fifteen points during the season as well, not at the end of the season, which is normally when these penalties are done. Well, you know, um, but. Is not implicated. and that's the transfer in question that they're talking about. When both parties have agreed, yes, there's a lot more to it, but I'm, you know, just summarising it. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. And there's other transfers that fall into the same bracket of inflation, like inflating the the amount so it looks better in the books. But what's happened to Juventus because they used to be the club that picked up hot young talent on a free transfer and they'd sell them on. Like Paul Pogba is the archetype Juventus transfer that comes to my mind for how they used to operate, where Uh, he left Manchester United on free transfer to Juventus and then sold him back to Manchester United for £89 million. Brilliant business from Juventus on their side. uh uh Fantastic. And they did a similar thing with a whole bunch of other players. They loved a free transfer. I remember there was a case when if there was any player of any decent note whose contract was expiring, Juve would go and sign them on a Bosman. Yeah, that's right. It It was pretty much a reliable thing to happen every single January window, but... They had to change his strategy. They went and signed Cristiano. They went and broke the bank to sign you him. You can't and- blame
1: it on Cristiano. Come on. I mean, I know you're I know you filthy on him, but come on, you can't. I'm not blaming it on Cristiano. <laughs> but- I'm just shit-stirring. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Cristiano's is a, a symptom
1: of the problem. Look, I think Cristiano was a different kettle of fish, right? So let's set that one aside. Is it the ish- I don't think
0: it is a different kettle yeah, of fish. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. It is. It's a different kettle of fish. He had to leave Real Madrid, right? There was an didn't opportunity. have to go to Juventus. Well, they wanted him. The crowd wanted him.
0: And that's my issue. They wanted him and they're willing to break the bank for him and go in a completely different direction to go and land him at the club.
1: Yeah, but hang on. Okay, let's. I, I'll tell you what I find more astounding, that they've signed Pogba again.
0: On another free Injured. transfer. <laughs> Injured. Has he even played a game for him yet? No, he hasn't.
1: <laughs> I mean, so, look, yeah, Juventus are a basket case, unfortunately. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? like? A lot of football clubs,
0: like a lot of football clubs. The implication is that there's other Serie A clubs that have been doing a similar thing with their accounts, and they might be subject to a similar penalty. We'll see if that comes out in the wash. But uh, watch this space on that front because we'll we'll be circling back to this story in weeks to come. I feel.
1: Hopefully, nothing about Napoli because, geez, they deserve to win the Serie A.
0: Oh yes, they do. Yes. So they hopefully, hopefully
1: they can um, they can keep you know they've kept their noses clean. For want of a better term, especially with Napoli. Interesting
0: phrase for Napoli in particular. Yes, yeah.
1: sorry. Hmm. Sorry, I couldn't help myself there.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, Juve were the big threat to the Scudetto for them, I think. They were coming good, Juventus. They had turned a corner, it seems, but now they've gone down a different road and it's a long way back for them. But Inter keep dropping points. Milan are not quite where they were a season or two ago. Um, it seems that it, all the cards are aligning, all the stars are aligning, all the stars are aligning.
1: Yeah, the cards, the stars, though. We'll go. Yeah,
0: sure, but I think, whatever. look,
1: I, I think, <laughs> I think that uh, it's
0: not police to lose. Hey, and they're a real threat for the James League as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I agree. Hundred
1: percent agree. Which we'll, you know, we'll probably do a uh, a, a chat on uh, in coming weeks. But um, talking about a long road, what about Manuel Noyer He's got a long road to come back.
0: He does, he does, he does. And you've got the story on this. And it seems as though one of the stalwarts of Bayern Munich, his time might be coming to an end.
1: Yeah, we don't normally talk about goalkeeper coaches on the back page. We should be talking more about goalkeeper coaches. (laughs) We should. (laughs) But how close is too close a coach to a player? In the case of Manuel Neuer, goalkeeping coach was his best man. Mm. Funnily enough, though, Bayern Munich took the opportunity to sack the goalkeeper coach now that uh, Neuer is long-term injured. And that is because he isn't very well liked by the other goalkeepers at Bayern Munich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and look, second and third choice goalkeepers are essentially cheerleaders. Oh, that's harsh. Don't call, don't call hang on, don't call Schwarzer a, se- a cheerleader. Third choice I can. Third choice, I care. <laughs> third choice, I, care. I absolutely care. <laughs> because there, especially when you've got a number one as rock solid as in their position as Mem or Neuer, mm. the third choice keeper is never getting a game.
1: No, yeah,
0: no. you're better off just getting someone in there who is a cheerleader rather than someone who might actually be half decent if they if they manage to get a game and um, it's their lucky day.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just happy to be a part of the team.
0: <laughs> yeah. Say. So- hey, might be watching Walter and you get a Premier League winners medal at the end of it.
1: That's right. So definitely not Matty Ryan's counterpart at uh, his old club at Copenhagen.
0: No, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, no, absolutely not a cheerleader, no. <laughs> but uh yes. Memel Neuer losing his best mate, his best man in the uh coaching setup, and maybe maybe buying a look starting to look elsewhere for a, a mm. keeper.
1: I think so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, watch this space. I think Summer will uh, probably stay on a bone now that he's got his foot in the door there.
0: Mm, yes, I think so. I think so. Maybe a bit more of a long-term view for Summer.
1: So, is there anything else that's caught your eye this week?
0: There is, just quickly, because we talked a lot about clubs in turmoil. I've got one more for you. Okay. And that—that that is Ajax, Ajax of Amsterdam. Oh, dear. Uh, it's been a rough six months. Maybe longer than that. It's been a rough 12 months for IAX, And uh, this is a club in absolute shambles now. Why, Nathan? Just came out this morning that they sacked their manager, uh, Alfred Schroiler. And that's something that's been coming. Surprise has taken this long to get him out of the club. And yes, they lost a lot of players when Ten Hag moved to Manchester United and players went elsewhere as well, like Masraoui and Gravenberg went to Bayern Munich. But the squad is still absolutely good enough to be challenging for the league. And they're currently on their worst run as a club since 1965. Okay. And it's three wins in 12 games in the league, which mm. for that club is absurd.
1: Okay. Yes, true. Sure.
0: And they're a long way off. Of, well, relatively, they're a long way off Final, who's leading the race. They're six oh. points off or so. And it goes back to, really, this period for Ajax goes back to the Overmars scandal, okay. where oh. he was um, banished, I suppose you could say, uh, from, from his role at Ajax. He was the guy who was pulling all the strings on the sporting side of the club, mm-hmm. and he was rightly booted out of the club because of uh, the scandal, but they didn't replace him. And the sporting side of the club was half Overmars and half Ten Hag. And now both of those bodies have left the club and there's not really anyone in their place, so they've taken a massive downhill step and there's a, a long road back because Vinehold are doing really well now and sell so PSV.
1: So it's basically since Ten Hag's left, really, that the ship is sailed and it's you know, it needs a, a different course and
0: a different captain altogether. One that's strong enough to be to be able to bring it back. The writing was on the wall when Overmars left. Okay. Because Ten Hag was almost gone the season prior. He Mm. almost went on to bigger and better things uh, at that point, but he stayed on for another season. And yes, I don't think we're going to be seeing a a good Ajax side for a couple of seasons now because, yes, they had lost great players in years gone by, like when De Uh, went to Juventus, uh, De went to Barcelona. They're they're the two high-profile ones. They always had players coming through to replenish the stocks, and those players are still there, but it's just not really working now under the current regime this season. So Van der Sar, who's the CEO of the club... He's got some uh, things sorted out. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's my little Dutch corner. You got a Greek corner for us this week? Not really. No? No. Look, I mean, you could talk about an obscure league and that's the Greek league. Mm. But,
1: uh, I, yeah, look, it is it is interesting though. I'll say that because this year, as compared to every other year, because um, you've got Olympiacos who are not in the top two, for a change, um, you've got Panathinaikos, who, or Panathinaikos, as they're known in Greek. They're, um, you know, they're in first, and you've got uh, Aek, Athens, who are second, Balk, who are in third, and then you've got uh, Olympiakos um, in fourth, uh, and they're the clear top four. So I don't think fifth. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, Artis uh, can catch them. So. So, it's uh, basically down to um, those four. And so, Olympiakos could quite, you know, come back and win the league, but I don't think – I don't think – I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I think it's um, uh, between uh Bernith and the and Ayuk,
0: actually. So- actually. That would make for a change because Olympiakos, I mean, from where I said, I don't follow the Greek league too closely, but – You're not missing out on much. <laughs> <laughs> Olympiakos are the big team that pretty much wins it every season. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um,
1: look, there's historic clubs in there, but um, yeah, Olympiakos are basically the Bayern Munich of Greece. So, does that make Germany a Farmers League? Who
0: knows? <laughs> anyway. Oh, I hate that term. Farmers League. Farmers League. Yeah, Every every league's a Farmers League.
1: <sighs> Not the APL. That, that's the closest thing to a Euro- Super League we're getting, that's for sure.
0: Hey, I think when, when City win the league by 20 points or something, as they have done in recent years, then you could call it a Farmers League. Because that seems to be the criteria. Discussion
1: for another episode, I think. So, let's talk about football heritage. Mm. Someone had their birthday during the week, and uh, that's why we're saying fu- football editage. I hope it was a special one for him. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Very good. The one and only Jose Mourinho. A respect, 60th. A respect. A respect. <laughs> Jeez, there's been some top press conferences,
0: though. Oh, there has. There he's has. the manager.
1: He's the top. He's the best manager for Shittazery.
0: Oh, yeah. It's not even close. We see some other great managers on that side of things that like to cause a stir and cause problems. Uh, uh, Cholo is one of them. Mm. Diego Simeone. Mm. He's, he's in that same sort of realm, but no one does it like Jozo.
1: Uh, no, he's been, it's been good. It's been good to see. Love him or hate him, he's, uh, he's been good for football and um, yeah, happy birthday Jose. It's Yeah, you, you definitely are a special one out of the box, that's for sure. Can we keep going with these press conference puns or what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I've got more puns but if I speak I'm in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Very uh, good. Jose, uh, yeah, football would be worse off without him, that's for sure. Mm. And uh, need mm. more characters like Jose and his football as well. Yes, it's frustrating when it, you're on the wrong side of it, but yeah, we need more managers with the charisma and the football and the shithousery that uh, Jose offers. Indeed. Because it's absolutely a place for it.
1: My favourite Jose, or uh, well, one of my favourite Jose moments is not a press conference, the all or nothing mm. uh, series, This the chat with Deli Ali. Yep. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Forget the Christian Eriksen thing. That was always going to happen anyway. I don't know why they bothered recording that, actually. <laughs> it was just, as I just look like, oh, fuck, we've got to be here for the camera. All right, let's just do this. <laughs> but yeah, um, the Deli Alley one, that's uh, that's a really good one. And it's been proven right. It was. It was proven right. Because where's Deli Alley now? Yeah, it's not about being proven right, though, I guess. But yeah, he, he's, you know, quite, you know, just came out and said what he thought that he's got to work harder. And yeah, you know, he told him, he said, you're going to regret it. And that's, you know, it's not Jose's position to regret it, it's Deadly's. Um, now, if Delhi's happy with himself, all the power to him, brilliant. But um, the other thing was, now that he said about being right though, and I don't know about, history has proven that Mourinho was right with regards to the second place Manchester United got
0: the greatest achievement of his career, and that's crazy. Talking about
1: someone who's yeah, imagine how, how his opinion was of uh, the Manchester United side, <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to Spurs and he thought, oh gee,
0: yep, ah, oh, wow, that Manchester United side that finished second, that won the Europa League, that was a that was a rough team, that was a rough team, and yes, Jose is right when he says that he dragged them up to second place and I remember that season there was a brief moment where we thought are we in a title race just like this season are we in a title race it didn't last very long but um, but yes Jose I remember it was the Europa League the semi-final against uh, Celta Vigo where United got through by the skin of their teeth there was one big chance right at the end of the game for John Gadetti the Swedish striker no this isn't a United loving no it's not but it's a Mourinho loving it's a Mourinho loving and and um, at the end of the game, when United had just got through to the final, Jose picked up the scarf that was thrown to him by the Stratford end, and he really did get his arm mm. going and mm. uh, really indeed himself because that's what stands out for Jose. It's those moments where he does celebrate with the crowd. And yes, we love the press conferences, but I love those moments just as much. And there was a, a lot with Chelsea We're running down the sideline, the Gerard Slip game at Anfield. Yeah. That game where... He looked like he was uh, the pre-COVID, of course, but it looked like he was down with some bad bug. And, um, oh, it, at Anfield in that game, he was absolutely uh, at his peak in terms of the shithousery. Yeah,
1: and Chelsea, you know, dressed in Chelsea from top to bottom, um, which he rarely did, but, yeah, he, he started mm. doing it at Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid broke him, though. I think the Real Madrid job broke him. Yeah. But uh, and now, he's, at least he's starting to enjoy his football again by the look of things at Roma. But I'll tell you what, the best piece of shit, Housery, was the press conference uh, when Chelsea were playing Barcelona uh, in the Champions League. And he just goes and names the Barcelona 11 and they line up exactly the same way as he's called <laughs> <laughs> the day before. It's crazy. So, Nathan, let's pick an obscure league now. Now it's time for us to flesh this out. We've had a couple of suggestions. We have. Do we go Concacaf for just to real be, be, you know, be real shits there as the Conker Calf? I know we've got a bit of history <laughs> with Conker Caf. We, do. But we do.
0: We're not getting a Christmas card from Conker Caf.
1: No, no. We love you, North America, but, you know, hey, you, you bring it upon yourself.
0: Um, um, we had a couple suggestions. People, people told us some leagues and clubs for us to follow, and uh, one was sent in by Lee Jackson, who listens to the show. Shout out to you, Lee, and he said for us to cover Halifax Town in the, the English fifth tier.
1: Yeah, look, we could, but I think we need to go obscure than that. Mm, I do agree. I mean, you know, look, we could go Wrexham. That'd be easy. Mm. I mean, Wrexham are the story with- uh,
0: They get enough coverage.
1: Uh, what's that actor's name? I keep wanting to call him Ryan Gosling. Ryan Reynolds.
0: Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Yes, that's it. Mc, 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 oh, pronunciation might not be right. McElhenney? I don't know. Mm. It's a strange name.
1: It's Welsh, but okay. Oh, is it Scottish? Yeah, let us know anyway. Yeah.
0: But look, there is a you story If you're listening, Rob, then do get in touch. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or Ryan, for that matter. It's a good story. I'll tell you who we should follow, and, and all jokes aside. Um, Swindon Town, because they're owned by an Aussie.
0: Ah, yes, they are. They are. I've got to make who goes for Swindon.
1: Yeah, there you go. So more on that in future episodes, but.
0: And more Aussie connection, because Maslowongo and Jordan Lydon has played for them down the years. Yeah, that's true. But uh, we need to go more obscure. More obscure. So,
1: we've had Thailand, Vietnam suggested out of Asia, which I like. I'm happy with both. Or Chile or Colombia out of Comable, South America. Mm. Now, Colombia is interesting. And there's a couple of interesting pods around uh, Colombian football as well. And also, you know, with regards to that ESPN docker that uh, they did on the um, two Escobars. So, um, yeah, which one do we go? Did we... Go Asia or do we go South America?
0: Hmm. So, I can see the merits in both because I think there is a point to be had about raising the profile of our confederation. confederation. Yes, obviously, we don't have a massive reach, but uh, highlighting some of the great football does have some merit, but there's lots of great history and stories and her- football eratage in, uh, <laughs> in South America, particularly Colombia. yes.
1: Ah. Uh... Okay,
0: mm. uh, we do need to pick one. I don't think we'll do both. Okay, fair enough.
1: I was going to suggest both, but no, that's fair. Oh, enough. Well, we can't can do both. Why don't we do a, a league? Like, why don't we do Vietnam? Because mm. I think their league's about to start, actually, as well. Okay, so we can go from the start. And let's go Colombia.
0: All right, because the Colombian league's just kicking off now as well. Mm. So who do we pick in terms of a club? Who do we pick? Ooh, that's that's a that's a good question. That is a very good question as to who shall we pick. Hmm.
1: Let's see. I'm just going to go off the bat here with Vietnam and go Ho Chi Minh City FC. I know nothing about them, but have some
0: fun. All righty. All righty. Ho Chi Minh City. Now. FC. Get it right. FC. Okay. (laughs) 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 Um... I want to go for uh, Hanoi Public Security. That's a funny name. There you go, Hanoi Public Security. There we go. On board in
1: Colombia. Mm. I'm I'm going to go with Deportivo Cali.
0: Ah, yes, good club, good club. I should go for the the intercity rival, shouldn't I? Yeah, why not? I'll go for América de Cali.
1: There we go. Well, I mean, we're staying out of Medellin. Yep, for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we looking forward to this weekend, Nathan?
0: Uh, when is the Kelly Derby? I need to go and uh, find It <laughs> we'll <look at> <laughs> Might be on this weekend.
1: <laughs> Might be. Let's have a quick check. Uh,
0: duh, 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 duh.
1: Fixtures. What do we got? No, 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 no. It's not on this weekend.
0: Ah, uh, okay. All right.
1: It's not on this weekend.
0: I'm going to ask you, Laz. What are you looking forward to this weekend?
1: Look, Manchester City Arsenal for me. That's the highlight of the weekend. Even though it's in the FA Cup, I think that's uh, the highlight for me. Um yeah, I Yeah, I think that's uh, the highlight uh for this weekend.
0: I might go for uh, a Spanish game. I might go for your team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Real Madrid against Real Sociedad. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Big game, second second versus third. Both both teams are uh, starting to uh, hit a run of form. That's for sure. Real Sociedad on a on a good streak at the moment. Yeah, they are. And, uh, yeah, and we'll, that'll it. be a challenge. That'll be a challenge for Real Madrid. Mm. Good to get them back in the Bernabeu. Seems like ages since they have played at home. Been, been a few a few weeks now. They've been away, and I'll tell you what, they were lucky last week. That
1: <laughs> no, they weren't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: they weren't. Um, <laughs> So what did you make of the Big Blue last night?
0: Yeah, it's hard because it didn't have the same vigour as Big Blues in seasons gone by with everything that's happened with Melbourne Victory this season. Mm. And both teams not being at their best on the pitch in terms of results and performances, but it was still a good watch. And it was two teams who are struggling and often when you get two average teams that uh, can score goals, you put them in the same room and you do get a good game of football. And I think that's what we did get last night. It was a good game. Shame that there was a restriction on the crowd. I believe it was just over 8,000 or so in attendance. Should be a sellout, to be honest, this game, particularly on 26th of January. Normally yeah, is. Normally yeah, normally is. Um, but, yeah, Steve Corky gets uh, gets another week.
1: Yeah, he does.
0: And good luck to him. Um, are you going to watch your pub side tomorrow? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we didn't talk
0: about that. Yeah, I was waiting for it, yeah. That's no, a good way to finish. <laughs> yeah, pub side. Yeah, pub side, far out. Dwight York. <laughs> wow. Oh, jeez. What a what a what a wild week it was for Macarthur. Yes, they lost. They lost to Adelaide last weekend in a game they probably should have won, being against ten men for as long as they were, and a lot of that was just down to poor finishing. But I think the team still played pretty well, and a draw they absolutely could have gotten probably deserves it. All in all, but Dwight York following the game reportedly called the site a pub team and was alarmed at the state of Australian football, as we all have been at one point or another. And it seems as though conflicting reports, really. Is he on his way to Sydney? Is he on his way out of the country?
1: That's a rumour, right? Mm. That's a rumour. I don't know if there's any validity to it. I'd love to get him on.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. And get brilliant. his thoughts
1: on Australian football.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's got some thoughts now. Uh, exactly. And the
1: interesting thing is also... That the CEO and the chairman haven't been in the sheds at the time that he was making the addre- the address. So he, I think he was going full on Fergie, right? He was giving the hairdryer. Yep. And, you know, I don't know if you can do that these days. It's, yeah, it's a weird one, but it's unusual for the CEO and the chairman to be in the dressing room at the same time. But I think obviously the writing was on the wall because the result was so shit. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, then, you know, we can't, you can't sugarcoat that. That's woeful. To be, uh, you know, to have a man advantage for so long and not be able to take advantage of it.
0: Absolutely. And a lot of is down to, like, Craig Noon. He's been in and out of the team. Daniel Azani's been on the bench most weeks now. And Arabuli. I don't rate him at all. But that's on the players. Yeah, but it's also the system as well.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, the coach comes up with the system, but it's on the players, though, as far as their effort and application are concerned. And I don't think we're being critical of them. It's the fact.
0: No, yeah, it is a fact. And it's also recruitment as well, and Dwight York will have a big hand in that. And it's come out since that MacArthur, they wanted to appoint Miley Stoziowski at the start of the season to take over from Mm. Ante Milicic at the start of the season they wanted him. But uh, uh, Miley knocked him back and said, no, I want to coach Northbridge for a bit longer, get some more experience. But now, at the second time I'm asking, he has uh, been appointed as a MacArthur Bulls, MacArthur FC manager. So they got their man second time around. It's interesting that they had to wait a second time to do an internal appointment.
1: Well, yeah, because Northbridge era is aligned with the, uh, with the MacArthur Bulls, which is a strange relationship anyway. But um, Yeah,
0: that's a conversation for another day.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the European off-season when yeah, the MPL is yeah. on. Yeah. Because yeah. that's just crazy. Um, it, is, it, is, yeah. it is. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah, but, uh, well, let's see how the pub team go against the uh, A-League champions.
0: mm Yes, who are looking a bit like a pub team this season. Well, maybe early <laughs> doors anyway. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Great goal last week though.
1: Yeah, it was, was, was. Yeah, that was, that was a really cracking goal. All right, so we've hit the back
0: peg. We have, we have. Thank you, Laz, for joining me.
1: Ah, thanks, for, thanks again, Nathan. Thanks to everyone for listening.
0: Uh, Yes, thank you, listener. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for your interactions on on the socials, at the back peg. Do get in touch. And uh, thank you for your reviews. If you do leave them, we greatly appreciate a good batter in between. And we'll see you soon. Uh, For now, I've been Nathan Gould.
1: I'm Azar Skramos. Take care, all.